0: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Double Down with Bresla, where we cover the business of sports betting. Today, we have a gentleman who recently came to America from across the pond. We welcome him to New York. I'm, I'm anxious to hear his uh, his review of New York so far. Uh, it's Kalen Broxton, and he is head of U.S. operations for Czech media am i got i got that right checked media that's the one yeah check media and they provide all kinds of services to sports betters, including having a couple great uh apps and websites now for u.s players so we welcome checked media and colin braxton to the states
1: thank you very much james it's a pleasure to be here thanks for having me um new york review it has its moments um <laughs> it's, where, where, it's where are you living so we're just above the east village we're on 20th street um okay on the east side so we've got the river next to us it's nice and quiet in relative terms for new york so overall it's been a good move so are there
0: company offices now in new york
1: um we're all remote in the u.s so we've got a few full-time staff that are sort of dotted around the country so i'm in new york we've got a guy in philly um and one in nashville and we've got quite a few freelancers sort of dotted around mainly in new jersey i found that to be sort of the center of the gambling world in terms of employment and people who are who are looking for work in the industry there's a lot of a lot of people over there um, across Great. the Hudson.
0: And it, it, uh, I'm, I'm looking in your apartment. It doesn't look like you're housing any migrants yet.
1: No, not seeing any of those. To be honest, um, that's I <laughs> think that might be one of those tabloid things that um, gets blown up out of proportion potentially. But no, we're all good. It's like I say. It's it's been a lot of fun since we moved here. Um, I moved over with my girlfriend, so we've been sort of been through it together. She moved over from the UK as well uh, to study. So it's been it was a good it was a good timing basically between. Me moving for work, she moved for study, so it all works out very well. Great, great. Well, welcome. So
0: tell us about Checked Media, because I know you've been there a while, and the company is from the UK and been around for quite some time, but is relatively new in the US.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So Checked as a entity has been around for 12 years now. Um, it started off very humble beginnings as a Facebook page in a university bedroom by um, the two guys that founded the company. Um, so it's been around since then, and since its inception as a Facebook page, it grew, and went from strength to strength. It sort of grew an audience on that page. Um, so when when it was
0: just a, a Facebook page, what was it?
1: It was purely a community for people to share their bets. So people were sending their soccer parlays for the Saturday games, and it'd just be a community, like a almost like a forum where people to share bets, share picks, and then people would get sort of famous within that if they won a few, and then people's reputations were building. From it, they started to build um, an affiliate business from that Facebook page and then expanded out from there. Great.
0: So, yeah, I mean, the whole affiliate business is relatively new in the US, but I guess it's been around for a long time in the UK? Forever,
1: yeah, since the internet and social media, because obviously in the UK, we've we've always had gambling legalized. Like It wasn't over here where it took a while for it all to, to come online and get regulated. We've always had it. So growing up, even as a as a kid, it was like the Grand National, for example, that's a big horse race that happens every April. It's sort of like a cultural ritual to go and stand outside the bookies on the high street where your parents go in and put a pound on the horse you picked in the morning. So it's sort of ingrained in UK culture, gambling. Um, it's always been there. So, yeah, we've always had affiliate marketing since the online boom happened. And then obviously social media followed up a few years later.
0: Uh-huh um and what what's the model there do you have to be licensed to be an affiliate
1: yeah you have to have a license with the gambling commission again much easier because there's only you only have to deal with one legal entity there are the different states and rev share cpa licenses and everything else that goes with it over here over there you go to the gambling commission show them that you're all above board and you're good to go
0: and were you guys always just focused in the uk or all of europe
1: no so we've only ever been uk up until about three years ago we had Um, some decent traffic from South America and Africa on our UK websites because they've got huge interest in English soccer which is what we specialize in over there Um, so we got some decent traffic from there but we've never really touched it and took it seriously I guess until like say three years ago when we really started to build out the US business plan and then alongside that we sort of said well while we're doing this let's also sort of bring
0: LATAM and um, Africa along with it. What has the explosion in the U.S. done for U.K. gambling? Has there been any anything that's crossed over that's changed about what's going on in the U.K. in light of the U.S.?
1: Weirdly, no. Um, there's not been too much influence going the other way. I think it will change. I think, personally, things like DFS, underdog, price picks, that sort of product, nothing like that exists in the U.K., and I think there's a massive opportunity there to build a product for the next, it sounds a bit cliche but the next generation of sports bettors because it clearly works it's clearly an engaging product and offering and i think that at some point soon there'll be something like that built in the uk which will have come from what people have learned from from the us market but no in terms of the actual products and what is available to customers there's not been too much crossover which again is strange because i mean obviously flutter group own fan and they also own three of the largest sports books in the uk in betfair paddy power and Skybet, and there's not been too much again from Bundle that sort of drips into to so those. Apart from, I guess, if you're a big NBA and NFL fan, they have done a little bit in terms of increasing the available available markets on those sports because they have them over here. So it's very easy for them just to add them into their UK um, UK products. But the uptake on those isn't too big. NBA and NFL they aren't they're growing, but they aren't particularly big for for handle and um, mm-hmm. for market share over the, in the UK. What
0: what what would be the biggest? Is NFL the biggest? Uh... U.S. sport in the U.K.?
1: Yeah, definitely. And the London Games have helped that. It's the sport with the, the most, if you were to ask like the, a random person on a British high street, if they do any American athletes, nine out of 10, it would be an American football, it'd be Tom Brady or someone like that. They're the ones that have managed to cross
0: over a little bit into um, pop culture. But we're still just talking about, when you're talking about total bet handle on sports, NFL would be down at like 10% at best? Lower than that,
1: I think, way lower. The Super Bowl on that specific day, it probably takes close to 10%, but on in the regular season, there's there's just not enough not enough fans at the minute. It's, it's obviously grown, like I said, the London games have been massive, they're now way more regular. And everyone, they, I mean, they sell out in seconds, you have to be on the pre pre sale to manage to get tickets at a reasonable price for those games. So it's definitely getting more popular. It's a lot more televised now. Sky Sports, who are the main broadcaster, um, they have pretty much every game they have Red Zone, which is sort of again, that's growing in popularity, people are enjoying that format of tv because red zone is so unique we don't really have anything like that in in the uk for soccer so it's definitely picking up
0: how are the uk sports ranked obviously soccer number one but give us the rankings down from there and then until we eventually hit nfl
1: <laughs> well it's pretty much soccer which is a huge chunk like way over half way over the majority of of the handle and then horse racing is number two by a clear margin um like i said before horse racing is probably the thing you grow up being proud of in the uk weirdly is from a sports point of view because it's very unique we have jumps racing where the horses jump over hurdles and fences which isn't really common but obviously the american tracks and the australian tracks where horse racing is also popular in those countries they're pretty much just flat tracks and ovals um so it's very distinctive in the uk with from that point of view so horse racing is massive and there's a week in the year called Cheltenham week which is a festival in Cheltenham, a little town in england which has been going on for, I think, well over a hundred years. And in that one week, the handle, I mean, the, the revenue that everyone makes in the industry is the equivalent of like the previous two months combined in that one week period, because everyone goes crazy. It's a little bit like March Madness from that sense where everyone gets involved. Everyone has picks for Cheltenham, like you have a bracket for March Madness. So yeah, horse racing is a clear number two. And then After that, it pretty much depends on the calendar. If there's a big boxing fight, that'll be the third. If there's a big UFC fight, if there's a big golf tournament, the rest of them are relatively interchangeable. And then NFL sits probably below boxing, golf, and maybe tennis as well. Throw that one in there.
0: So interesting how much soccer dominates there. Because when you think about the U.S., you know, we've got four, everybody considers four major sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey. And then now soccer is kind of coming up there as, as a strong fifth right now but you know that's five solid sports that people are betting on and you guys are basically betting on one (laughs) (laughs) yeah well i think soccer in a way
1: in england it's and in europe it's that is multiple major sports in one in a weird way because you've got i mean in england there's 92 professional football clubs and they play throughout the pyramids they've got the premier league championship league one league two and they all have huge fan bases they sell out 10 12 15 000 stadiums even lower down the leagues and then you've got the non-league, which is not professional, but still you can bet on it and you can go and watch it. And it's a decent level. And then you've got the European competition. So you've got La Liga in Spain, Bundesliga in Germany, League 1 in France, the Scottish Premier League, the Portuguese Premier League. You've got all these different leagues that are professional and they pretty much, if you look at the games and on a calendar, there's multiple games every single day across all of those different leagues and countries. So we have days a year, pretty much. I think the only day is Christmas day. And if you're a footballer,
0: are they, are they playing year round or, or not really?
1: Well, that's been the controversy recently because they've been, there's been a lot of pressure to introduce sort of bigger breaks because the seasons have been getting longer and longer because this, the Premier League season goes from August until May. So June and July are really the only off, here, off months, but preseason starts in sort of mid July. So the players are coming back mid July and going until the end of May. And then if you've got an international tournament like the World Cup or the European Championships or African Cup of Nations, which is starting in a few days, then they don't really get more than two to three weeks between end of the season and then starting to get ready for the next one.
0: Yeah, whereas MLS in the US, I imagine, is way shorter than that.
1: Yeah, it's a prof- It's a really
0: short window for the MLS in comparison. Yeah, which, which gives a guy like, I mean, Messi, is, is Messi... I don't even know. Is he going to be playing anywhere else besides the U.S.?
1: Well, there's the Copper America, which is happening this summer, which is the international tournament for the American continent. So I think he'll be playing in that for Argentina. But he won't be playing club football for anyone else other than into Miami. Uh-huh. But that's why that's why players go to retire in the MLS because they get a nice offseason, much better lifestyle. They can relax and. The, the load on the body is just a lot less than it would be in Europe. And what
0: what, what what's he making on his uh, U.S. deal with Miami compared to what he would have made if he had stayed? <laughs>
1: oh, he's making a lot more. And then I think he's also tied into things like the Apple TV subscriptions for the league. Like he has a lot of wider things outside of just his regular salary and obviously his added ass endorsement that he's now like he's their number one across the globe and the U.S. being a huge market. Wow. So well, despite hopeless.
0: despite soccer being essentially the number five sport in the U.S. He will make more money as part of this deal than if he had stayed in, in Europe. Way more, yeah. And it's the same
1: to be said for all of the. So every club has a number of designated players where they can offer outside the salary cap in the MLS, don't they? So if you're one of those players, the likelihood is you'll be making more in America than you would if you stayed in Europe. Interesting. All right,
0: well, let's take our break and then let's talk about what you guys got going now in, in, in the US. We'll be back right after this with Colin Broxton of Checked Media. as well as host Veronica Dudo for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel. Hi, it's Lauren the Better, and you're listening to Double Down with Breslow on the Evergreen Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Colin Broxton of Checked Media, head of US operations. Recently moved here to help their expansion into the US. So, what's your what's your guys' biggest product that you got going in the US right now? So, the big
1: asset we've got in the US is the Flash Picks brand. So that sits across social website and app. So we recently just in May of this year launched the Flash Picks app, which is basically built as a the ultimate wagering companion for sports betters. It's aimed at Essentially making it as easy as possible to build your bets. So we know we basically build products from experience ourselves. So we know how long it takes if you want to pick a bet for a uh, wildcard weekend, for example, coming up, all the different websites you'd have to use to try and drill down into each start for each player. And you'd have to use a lot of different resources to come to one conclusion. And we basically built a product that funnels all of that into one easy-to-use interface where you can pick your bets. And do all the
0: research all in one place. And uh, so it's called Flash Picks. Yeah. Right. So you can download it on your phone. You can also go to the website. Yeah. That is on Apple and
1: Android. So it's available on, on both. And it also sits on the website as well. Yeah.
0: So will that also tell me what all the different sports books have uh, the line set at? Yes. Yeah, so
1: it will tell you which books have the best lines and the best lines odds. The best. Obviously, some books might have um, 27 and a half for LeBron points, and another might have. 26 and a half, and you've got that ability within the app to choose if you want to go more punchy on the on the odds and take the higher line or
0: play a bit more safe. And will it, will it allow, will it, will it directly link to the betting site? So if I click on LeBron over 27 and a half points, does it actually take me to the betting site?
1: It does for a handful of operators who have the ability through the API feeds. Um, but that's, to be fair, that's one of the big things we learned coming into the US market is the, um, the difficulty in getting access to those sorts of things and the functionality. It's not just a case of not getting access. It doesn't exist at a lot of operators as in being able to do the one click bet slip, click out, and it deep links into opening up. You click on us from our site, you go to BetMGM and it's there on your, on your phone in your app. BetMGM are one of the ones we do have it with. Um, and that obviously is much better for the user journey. You don't have to then go and try and find your bet again on the operator platform. It's all done in one click and it, takes a lot less time.
0: Uh-huh. So are you saying in the UK you guys have been able to do it a lot more fluidly and and there yeah. it works?
1: Yeah, in the UK it's it's even slicker than that. So there's API wallet integration in the UK where if you have a good enough relationship with an operator and you've got a decent enough audience then you're able to integrate a single sign on into your product itself. So for example in the UK in our app you can sign into your bet365 account within our app and you never have to leave it to place a bet. It's all done through API. So you don't have to open Bet365. It's all logged in, centralized through, through our products. And that's the same for other websites like OzChecker in the UK. They've got similar similar abilities. So hopefully it gets to that point in the US. I know it's going to be a lot trickier in terms of the legislation and the laws in all the different states. I think that it might be a bit of a pipe dream, but definitely having the, the instant bet clickout feature. I think that's an absolute necessity. And I think that'll be a big push over the next year for the
0: operators to get fixed. So how many operators are you guys connected with in the UK? So we've got that level of
1: integration with five different operators in the UK.
0: And um US, if I'm on Flash Picks and looking at the different odds, is it are you showing me all the available companies or only the ones you guys have a relationship with?
1: It'll be all the available ones that are in your state. So if you're in New Jersey, you won't see anything that's that aren't any operators aren't legal there. So it makes sure it's nice and localized for your experience. So again, you're not gonna click on something that you actually can't
0: get access to. And, and um, how are you guys able to provide that information in real time? Is it because you've got a relationship with the operator? Because otherwise, if they change the line, how do you guys necessarily know that?
1: Yeah, it's all automated through the API feeds. So we have access to their odds feeds um, through our development company, check dev who build all of our products in-house. They onboard and ingest all of the APIs from all the operators, um, do a load of complicated stuff behind closed doors. And then for me and the user, it looks super easy and everything's just there in a nice presentable way. What about
0: providing alerts? I can imagine, especially like this weekend, there's, uh, you know, six big football games for in the U.S., and you know you're tracking it through the week and the line is minus three and a half and oh the line just moved to minus four is there is there a way you could kind of notify your uh your followers that there's been a line change
1: yeah so we predominantly use social media for that so we build our our brands on multiple platforms so we have a bit of diversification away from um being over reliant on one and social is what we use for things like that so we'll put out blasts and alerts like you mentioned about any major line movement movements if a player gets ruled out and another player tends to do a lot better when that other players are playing, especially for the NBA with the last minute um, withdrawals and benchings. That's something that we really try and push through social.
0: What is your guess right now on uh, how much wagering is happening on the game as opposed to the, the, the player results? Do you have any feel as to percentages on that?
1: Well, I'm massively biased because of what I see and what world I'm in in the we're, the, we're in a recreational besters world which is player prop crazy like that's all anyone talks about is all you ever see on Twitter if you scroll through gambling twitter you will never really see any game props you might see like a, a like a laundry list a shopping list ticket with 20 teams on to cover or to win the money line but no I I'm all in on player props and that's all that's all I see so I'm definitely not the best person to ask for an objective opinion on that
0: uh-huh that, that is interesting, though. I mean, that is a big change, you know, in the U.S. It's gone from, I mean, you know, first of all, the only place, way, place you could place a sports bet for the most part was Vegas. And, you know, everything would be up on the board. And it was all just the games. They didn't have the players at all. Then you have fantasy come in and pretty much blow open the doors on sports betting in the U.S. I think, you know, the expansion of fantasy was is kind of what helped all of that, which obviously is player-based. And now you have the move into people betting on players, even when it's not fantasy, right? So I don't know, maybe comparing UK, what would you say it is in UK? Has it, has it been player-based betting for a long time there? No, it's actually the opposite. So
1: it's starting to grow, but the, if you used to do the sort of mirror image in terms of what we see on social in the UK, it's still mainly team-based Um I think it's probably because there's more, like I said, there's way more teams. So there's way more variety and um, difference you can put into it. Whereas the NFL is so fixed and NBA as well. It's very few teams. They play, obviously NBA play a lot of back-to-back games. So betting on the team can be difficult because there's blowout risks. And especially the last couple of seasons, you don't know what players are going to get rested or are going to want to not play for a game. So it obviously massively affects any game lines you take. But yeah, in the UK, it's the player props are growing, but, there's way less There's way less availability of markets by the nature of the sport. So for soccer, there's only so many stat lines you can really ever want to bet on. Like there's shots, there's fouls, and there's players to get a uh, yellow card. But aside from that, it's kind of not too much else that's player-based that you could do. They've tried with things like passes and things, but the numbers on that, it's like over 355 passes in a game, and no one really knows what a normal amount would be. So you don't know if you're getting a raw deal or not from the book.
0: Is there much fantasy to speak of when it comes to soccer in UK? So
1: fancy, yeah, fantasy Premier League, the FPL, the official one that is run by the Premier League itself, is huge. That is globally massive. It has millions and millions of players, but it's free to play. There's no even in-app purchases. It's all free. And that's huge in terms of, I don't know if you've got like text change with your friends, You'd all have a fantasy league if you play it in a recreational soccer team. You'd all have a fantasy Premier League league. But in terms of pay fantasy, no. A few people have tried to enter the market, obviously taking experience from from the US side of things and seeing if it would translate. But I think because that game has been there, I mean, that game has been there since it was. you had to use to write in. I was speaking to my my girlfriend's dad over Christmas and he was talking to me about how he used to play the same game when he was um, like 15, 20 years younger. You'd have to sort of write a letter in or email in in the early days of dial up internet to do your transfers and make your team. So that game has such a head start and has such a a grasp on the audience that I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be possible for a paid fantasy operator to really break into the market there.
0: Well and also you kind of mentioned this before in soccer, you know, what would be the measurements for the fantasy player? I mean I guess they already have it, but aren't the measurements kind of not quite as interesting as they would be in football, for instance?
1: Exactly. It's goals if you concede a goal, if you get a yellow card, if you set if you get an assist. That's kind of it. There's not so much else that you can really work into it. And obviously the NFL, it's pretty much endless in terms of the fantasy opportunities and what you can really work into the stats.
0: Yeah. Um, so tell us uh, how the affiliate deals are typically working. I mean, how many companies are you guys working with and how does what does that look like? So the numbers,
1: <laughs> the numbers dwindled over the past couple of months. Obviously, um, Unibet and Kindred pulled out the North American market. Um, Winbet is similar. So the number of operators is getting a little bit more concentrated, which weirdly I prefer because it means that the market actually becomes a little bit more competitive in my opinion because they're really, the operators know who they're up against and it's very easy for them to sort of introduce new promos for new users. It helps existing user um, promotions as well because the battle for share of wallet becomes so much more intense. Um, so we're working with all the major operators um, And we've got a couple more hopefully coming in in the next couple of months. And yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because the last year there was so much consolidation. There was, like I mentioned before, the two pretty major operators that withdrew. And it's left basically the people that have the budget size to cope with competing in the u.s market i think it caught a lot of operators out to be honest just how
0: much you would take so WinBet, you're saying is out yeah and what was the other one UniBet and kindred gotcha and what about hard rock in florida which is where i happen to be right now uh are you guys have you built a relationship with them yet we haven't yet
1: we haven't got any sort of we haven't got any relationships with the one state operators i think that they're affiliate from a affiliate point of view, they're less reliant on it because they have the the monopoly and they don't necessarily need affiliate relationships widespread right now. Um similar with ESPN bet when they launched, they didn't really need affiliate because why would they spend a fortune on acquisition costs through third parties when they had so many
0: levers they could pull themselves. Right. So um are there other so hard rock just started taking bets, I think, you know, in December. Um and I guess has a monopoly essentially on sports betting in Florida. Are you saying there's there's another state that has a similar model where there's a, a single operator?
1: Yeah, I think Oregon is DraftKings, um, and I think Delaware is DraftKings as well. I might be wrong on that one, but I know Oregon is definitely just DraftKings.
0: Gotcha. Maybe those deals are through the state lottery or something.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh huh. Interesting. So yeah, if you got a monopoly, don't really need to compete. Don't need to worry about it um it's going to be interesting but yeah i I was kind of surprised i mean florida obviously is a humongous state to have a monopoly in
1: it is and i mean it's a monopoly up to a point because the dfs account uh brands are down there so price picks and underdog and the others have been there for a little while so it will be interesting to see if hard rock going live eats into their market share at all or their handle um and seeing what the crossover is from dfs into traditional sports book because we haven't really seen a proper case of that before because the other big states with the FS are California and Texas and they're both years away from really having a serious push at legalizing sports betting. So I'm interested to see how the DFS operators are affected by Hard Rock going live and legal. Is Hard Rock in
0: any other state?
1: I don't believe so. I think they've got a social casino, which is live in a, in a few more states. But in terms of the sports betting side, I think they're just Florida.
0: So that's something I, I got to assume is coming. And you know, Once they get their legs under them and are doing extremely well in Florida, which you got to assume they will, that then they could become a pretty big player heading into other states.
1: You think so? They've got the, I mean, the brand name is, incredibly strong it's all it all comes down to budget and whether they have enough to compete with the heavyweights that are in there now because obviously Fanjul and DraftKings everyone knows about them but then you've got Bet365 who are sort of the dark horse in the market in that they aren't massively well known in the US but they're the their tagline is the world's most popular sports book because they're used by the most users globally like they have presence in every single continent and they also uniquely a privately owned they have one owner Denise coates who has run the business since she took it online it's actually an interesting story because her dad used to run it as a high street operator a high street betting shop and she took it all online and turned it into what it is now which is it's a pretty amazing story um and she's actually a news story was out the other day she's the highest paid woman in in britain so she's done amazingly well with that like, like i say it's a really interesting story how it all came from a humble beginnings again to, to what it is now but I think they'll be the one that can really challenge and looks to upset the big boys basically where they've got unlimited budget so much cash in the bank and they have no one to answer to there's no shareholders there's no pressure to launch in states and they don't really want to and they want to be very measured so I think that they'll be the one that could could sneak up on a few people and take up quite a big chunk of market share Are they number 1 in UK? Yes definitely number 1 or 2 them and Skybet they're the two that dominate over there.
0: Uh-huh. And how many states is Bet365 in in the US?
1: Currently 7. So they're only in, and a few of them are small, like they're in Iowa, which is obviously a very small state. They recently went live in Louisiana. That was in November. And I think that their plan is just going to be one by one. We'll just, every few months we'll add a new state and then in three years we'll be in them all and have built up to such a point where there's a groundswell of reaction to them and people start to become a bit more familiar with the brand and the products. Because in my opinion, the products that Bet365 has is the best alongside FanDuel. Um So I think, that's what they're betting on. They're betting on having a market leading products. And they're just going to, like I say, take it state by state, market by market, and start to really build an audience from that. So when
0: you talk about who you think has the best product when it comes to an online sports book, I mean, what what is it that makes one guy having a, a better product than another?
1: I think the big thing for me is having something bespoke. So a lot of people, the smaller operators that were, have now, well, funnily enough, now pulled out the market, like Kindred and Unibet, um, and Winbet, they tend to use off-the-shelf books, which are so limited in terms of what you can actually offer customers aside from everything that anyone else does. And for me, the big thing that sets you apart as a product is unique markets or propositions for, for users to get stuck into. If you're using an off-the-shelf product, you just can't introduce those. So that's why FanDuel, DraftKings, Bet365, with their in-house products, they can be so flexible and reactive to any news that breaks. They can introduce new things instantaneously um they can jump on trends a lot quicker than other operators can so i think for me the big thing is having something that you build yourself obviously you need to have good people in charge of, of building it and make sure that it looks good for the customer but it needs
0: to be something that you've got
1: full control over
0: mm-hmm. last question what what do you see wagering on anything besides sports becoming a, a thing uh, you know, in the US, I'm not even sure it's permitted. Maybe there's a, a handful of states that would allow, you know, on a presidential election or that kind of thing. But I mean, in the UK, are you seeing anything breaking out in that regard?
1: Yeah, it tends to be a bit of novelty. Like there's one every year, which airport will have snow on Christmas Day. That's always one that gets um, gets a lot of conversation around it. Um, and elections are huge. I mean, in the UK, the, again, we have a, something a little bit different where we've got the betting Exchange, like a, it's called the Betfair Exchange, where you can lay and hedge bets on there and it's peer-to-peer so there's no uh, there's no vig it's all done on a commission basis for the operator and a lot of money gets put through elections from that um a ton of money from different people that they're not they're not your normal gamblers but they have a lot of money that like to like to get involved in those sorts of things so i don't know without having that sort of product like a peer-to-peer exchange whether that would be possible to do in the us and like you said i think i mean some states you can't even bet on your own college team to think that all to yeah. stop. So, I don't know
0: if it'd be great if it was because that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, so, what's the what's the betting line right now in the UK on US President's election? Do you know what it is? <laughs> That's a very good
1: question. I can find out in about two seconds where we probably tell them up, but um, <laughs> my guess is. It's probably an absolute coin flip. I think the news that we get in the UK from the US is it's a bit chaotic at the minute. That's basically the consensus.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it would be a fun thing to track for sure, because that, that line is going to be moving uh, quite a bit between now and November. OK, uh, what would you like to point out? Where would you like people to find you? So I mean,
1: LinkedIn, LinkedIn on um, Helen Broxton and the company obviously checked as well. Give us a search on there. And then if you want to download the Flashpix app, you just search Flashpix in the App Store and the Google Play Store. And if you're on Twitter,
0: then give Flashpix a follow as well. Cool. Colin, thanks so much for joining. Colin Braxton, everyone from Czech Media. Thanks for joining Double Down. And thank you all for watching and listening. We'll be back soon for another episode. Take care,
1: everyone.